Amen. As you return back to your seats, just keep this truth on your lips that He is great. He's great. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Yes. Great are you, Lord. I welcome everyone who's watching online today with us or watching the replay at some point in time. Thank you for joining us today. God bless you. To everyone that's in the house today, I'm so thankful you're here. If you're glad to be in God's presence, come on, put your hands together one more time. Say, thank you, Lord. All right. Uh, Zion, come here real quick, my guy. Come here. Come here, Zion. I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to do something today I've never never done before. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give uh, someone a haircut in service. Okay. Come here, my guy. He's been growing this thing for a while. All right. So here's what we're going to do, Zion, just for a moment. If you don't know, this is my son, Zion. He's kind of my, my living object lesson, okay? He's always helping me with illustrations. Zion, what we're going to do is uh, you and I are going to play rock, paper, scissors, okay? And the, the loser gets a haircut, okay? All right? Yes, the loser gets a haircut, my guy, Okay? Here's the only here's the only thing, Zai, that you don't know in advance of this game. You gotta wear a blindfold. Okay. There you go. Alright. We're gonna play paper, rock, scissors here, okay? Two out of three. Two out of three. You ready? Rock, paper, scissors, ready? Here we go. Rock, paper, scissors. Shoot. D doesn't life feel this way? Like I'm making decisions blindfolded. This is what it feels like. Pastor Bethel, could you come here for just a moment, sir? Come here for just a moment. Here's what I want you to know what Jesus taught us, okay? Jesus taught us this in John 15. He let us know ultimately that he's the vine, okay? We're the branches, okay? Pastor Bethel, if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to have you just kind of stand behind Zion, all right? I'm going to have you connected to Zion because he, he's in the dark right now. That's why you need to stay connected to your source. Okay. You have to stay connected to your source because many times life feels like I'm making decisions in the blinds. And I could possibly lose some things that are important to me, if you will. Hello. If I keep making decisions not connected to my source. Jesus taught me this ultimately. What is the gardener going to do? Because God the Father is the gardener. Okay, he is Ultimately, he's going to cut things off. Every branch that is not connected to Jesus, God is going to begin to, to, to prune. Oh, why? Because God wants you to produce fruit. God, that means God wants you to win. He wants you to win. That's what he wants for your life. So you've got to stay connected to him because it does feel like I'm playing rock, paper, scissors against life and I'm losing because I can't see the outcome. But if I'm connected to the source, the source ultimately is going to help me to win. Are you ready? You wait for my decision. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Dang it, two out of three. Am I about to lose my hair here? Are you ready? The source is going to tell you what to do. Do not obey your feelings. Do not obey what you can't see. Obey the source. The source will tell you what decision to make so that you can produce some fruit and you can win. Are you ready? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. And that's what it feels like sometimes. I need a little bit of clarity. But thank God, if I remain connected to the source, I'm going to produce fruit and I'm going to win. And not only do I get to keep my hair, thank you, Jesus, but I get the blessing of seeing my enemy have to go through something I didn't. I'm not going to do it. 
Not yet anyway. Thank you, Zion. Thank you, Pastor Beto. Here's the point of what I, what I need you to know today. God is a covenant-making God. Covenant means this. Covenant simply means he loves to keep his promises to you. And to everyone in this room, if you did not know, the Hebrew word for covenant actually literally translates as this. It literally means to cut something. Every covenant that God ever made, something was cut. In the case of the story that I've been preaching to you all month long, God made a covenant with Samson. It was the covenant that was ultimately made, the Nazareth right vow. You do not drink any alcohol. Most of us would be like, that ain't for me. You do not touch any dead thing, anything that is not living. And above all else, you do not cut your hair. Because if you will keep the covenant, you will have supernatural strength in your life. See, God loves to keep his covenants with us. Here's what it means. Covenant actually means this. It means God is committed to your success. That's what a covenant is. I'm committed to you winning. So God puts Samson in this position to succeed. He says, don't do these things and you will succeed. Keep the covenant and you will succeed. I just want somebody to know this today. God put Samson in a position, in a place to be successful, and he's done the same for you. I'm going to tell you right now, stop looking around for something better and just succeed right where God has placed you. Amen. And amen. If you have your Bibles with me, Judges 16. Judges 16. Thank you, worship team. This era, known as the era of the judges, the, the, the time period of the judges in Israel's history, what it represents is a rescue religion. Are y'all familiar with the term rescue religion? Right? It, it's, we want God to rescue us, but we don't want God to rule over us. We, 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 we want God to, to, to deliver us from our enemies, but we, we don't want to be dedicated to this God. Come on, somebody. It's like this in, in modern Christianity. It's the equivalent of, I want Jesus to be my Savior, but I don't want him as my Lord. It's the equivalent of, I want Jesus as my Redeemer, but I don't want him to be my leader. Uh, it's, it's the equivalent of, Jesus can save my life, but Jesus, don't you tell me how to run my life. Uh, the theologian Dallas Willard equates it to this. He calls it vampire Christianity. This is really cool. Vampire Christianity. I'd never heard this term before a few weeks ago. Vampire Christianity is this. It's Christians who want Jesus' blood, but not Jesus' character. Yeah. Vampire Christianity. I, uh, Jesus saved me, but I'll, I'll, I'll manage my finances. And I'll, I'll manage my friends. And I'll manage my sexual identity. And I'll manage my relationships and, 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 and I'll obey all the parts of the Bible I like, but I'm going to disregard the parts that I disagree with. And then when I have to deal with the consequences of my decisions, then I'll come running to you and say, Jesus, take the wheel. Hmm. Vampire Christianity. See, here's the whole problem. When you inevitably get into a jam because you are human enough, it's only then when you finally realize that you are not God enough to get yourself out. And this is exactly what happened with Samson. Judges 16, verse 19. He lays his head again and again and again in the lap of that which is trying to break his covenant with God. Trying try to steal his promises. 
And he keeps going back to it again and again and again. Whew. Sounds like American Christianity to me. Do you, as a pastor, I didn't, I didn't know this was part of the job, at least initially. I thought part, the part, biggest part of the job was, was preaching. I didn't realize that the biggest part of the problem is trying to keep people living what I'm preaching and keep reminding them of what I'm preaching and, and constantly going back. And you realize how you got here, right? Because you weren't listening to the word of God. You realize we, we got back here because you keep disregarding the word. Come on, somebody. Don't just stare at me like I'm not telling you the, God's honest truth. And, and so here's Samson again laying his head in the lap of that which is trying to steal his covenant, steal his promises. Verse 19 says, And having lulled him to sleep in her lap, Delilah called a man to shave off the braids, the seven braids of his head. I mean, I'm sure he would have felt this, right? Maybe, you never know. I don't know how heavy of a sleeper Samson was. But in this way, she began to subdue him. Check this out. And his strength left him. And then she called out to him. This was done the fourth time, at least that we know of, the fourth time that this has happened. She called out to him, Samson, the Philistines are here. They're upon you. And when Samson awoke from his sleep, he thought, and I'm going to come back to this verse at the end of my message, but he thought, I will escape as I did before and shake myself free. Because every other time this has happened, I've been able to get up and shake myself free. And the spirit of God comes on me and I overpower my enemy again. Why? Because I was still in covenant with the most high God. And so God has to keep his word, even if I'm living a fool. And so the strength comes on me again and I overthrow my enemy. But this time is different. And though Samson thought to himself, I'll do as I did before. I'll get up and I'll shake myself free. Check out this verse. It, it kills me when I read this verse. It hits me so hard. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Didn't even know it. Didn't even recognize that his strength was gone. How could he not feel that he was bald? Tell you why, because he was so disconnected from his source. He couldn't even sense when things were different. Verse 21, then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze shackles and forced to grind grain in their prison. The man who was one time slaying his enemies is now preparing their meals grinding grain to feed his enemies. I've been preaching this for four weeks now, and if you know the story of Samson, you, you realize that for 20 years he's been a major problem for the Philistines. But the first thing that they do when they capture him is they don't beat him. They don't even kill him. The first thing they do is they put out his eyes. Why? Why, why, why put out his eyes? Because without vision, the people perish. Without vision, the people. Somebody hear me in your spirit today. The worst person in the world to get involved with isn't a broke person. It, it, the worst person in the world to get involved with is not a person who's struggling. The worst person in the world to get involved with isn't even somebody who's discouraged or, or maybe even depressed. The worst person in the world to get involved with is a man or a woman with no vision. No vision. Ladies, if you are looking for a man, find a man with vision. 
He might not have any money right now, but if he's got vision, hear me. If he has vision, then he can see his way into prosperity. If he has vision, he can see his way into victory. If he has vision, maybe he didn't have a good example as a dad, but he can see his way into being a good father. Maybe he's got nothing right now, but if he's got vision, God will bring the provision, but it's proceeded by vision. It's easy to shackle Samson now. Why? Because Samson has no vision. It's easy to keep him bound. It's easy to keep him imprisoned. Now he's grinding grain for his enemies. And he's entered a dark place. Dark because his eyes are blind? No, dark because he's lost his vision. Think about everyone that God has ever used all throughout Scripture. If God used them, they had to have gone first through a dark place. Joseph, thrown in a pit and then in prison before he makes his way to the highest, second highest level in, in the greatest empire of that time period. Da David, time and time again, finding himself in, in dark places because of his decisions. Dark places. He even he said this one time, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Daniel, Daniel we know is thrown into a lion's den and then it was sealed over overnight in a dark place. Peter thrown into prison. You've heard me preach about this. Paul experienced many dark moments in his, in his, in his, his, uh, his life, his missionary journeys. Everything from imprisonments to, to beatings to, to being left in the cold to being shipwrecked. Dark moments. Even your Lord and Savior experienced what it was like to die on a cross and then be thrown in a tomb and the entrance sealed for three days. Dark places. But I need you to know that your greatest work often comes after you've come through a dark place. I've lost my home. I've got fired on the job. My business failed. My marriage failed. I've lost children. I've lost loved ones. But it's through a dark place. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I came to remind somebody here today, the point is, though you walk through, do not stop. Keep walking. Your greatest work is on the other side of your dark place. If I look at this without really reading the whole scripture, if I just stop at verse 21, it feels like Samson's story's done. He's done. He's done. This mighty man, this superhero of the old covenant, defeated and done. And then I just read. See, I, I don't stop. I just keep going. Verse 22 says this. Don't stop. Look at somebody say, don't stop. Just keep going. Keep going. In a dark place. In a dark place. Grinding grain for his enemies. The Bible says this. But before long, his hair began to grow again. Would anybody like me to see Zion, uh, shave Zion's head. I will do it. Because his hair will grow again. You know what's crazy here is that the Bible actually makes it sound like it was a miracle. Right? Come on, for, for, for most of us, it's natural. For Reverend Jerry, it might be a miracle. All right? All right? I'm not trying to dog you, Rev, but right, uh, uh, David the third man, you know, it might be a miracle for some of us to experience that. It's crazy to me when I read this. It's like, wait, why, why does this sound like, uh, like a miracle? 
it, it's inevitable, more than like your hair is going to grow. Not all of us are blessed like Pastor Beto. Come on. Pastor Beto's in his mid-60s, and he looks like he's like 20 with so much hair. He's amazing. We're not all blessed like that. I'm kidding. Pastor Beto's not in 60. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm sure his knees feel like it, though, sometimes. But, but what is it about this scripture, Pastor Beto, that makes us, makes us wow, this, this is a miracle. Right? This is a miracle. No, this is just natural. This is just inevitable. His hair is going to grow again. I would, I, here's my point. We would do well to remember that we serve the God of another chance. We would do well to remember that we serve the God of I'll forgive you and help you back up. I, we serve a God that tells us the righteous man, not the sinful man, the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up again. You would do well to remember you serve a God of another chance. When I look at the story of Samson, I can relate because there are things that have beaten me down. People have ridiculed me and humiliated me. They've, things that have taken my sight and I feel like they've shaved my dignity, removed it from me, if you will. But here's the problem. They made a mistake. The Philistines made a mistake when they left the roots. Come on, somebody. Somebody help me praise God for your roots. Come on. Somebody help me praise God for what you still got left. I know things have been taken from you, but do you have anything left? Praise God. Somebody help me praise God that when I was a child, somebody decided I'm going to train you in the way you should go. So when you're old, you will not. Somebody take a moment and say, thank you, Lord, for what I still got left. His enemies humiliated him, took his eyes took his covenant, but they didn't take his roots. Something left. Look at verse 23. The Philistine rulers had a great festival, offering sacrifices and praising their god Dagon. If I had time to even break down this god Dagon and how time and time again in scripture, God shows he's greater than every other god, especially this god Dagon. I just don't, I don't have time for that today, but here's, here's the second time that God shows that he's the greatest and only god that in all of existence. The Philistines are worshiping and praising their god Dagon, and they said, our god has given us victory over our enemy sins. Woo! My god, I'm just going to learn something from my enemies just for a moment. If they can praise their false gods when they get a victory, how much more can I praise my God every time I see a victory? And I think it's myself, my own effort, my own ingenuity, my own power that has made it happen. And they're praising their God, their, their false God. Our God has given us victory over our enemy. When the people saw Samson, they praised their God saying, our God has delivered our enemy to us. The one who killed so many of us is now in our power. Half drunk by now, the people demanded, bring out Samson so he can amuse us. I think some translations say so we can make sport of him, so we can be entertained. Bring him out. So Samson was brought from the prison to amuse them, to entertain them. And they had him stand between the pillars, supporting the roof. Now Samson said to the young servant, the young man who was leading him by the hand, place my hands against the pillars that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. Check this out now, verse 27. Now the temple was completely filled with people. All the Philistine rulers, all their leaders, 
their government was seated there. And about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. Pastor Bethel, at one time the name Samson struck fear in their hearts. And now it's nothing more than a joke. It's, it's, they are laughing and, and finding amusement at his expense. At one time, the Philistines stood in awe of Samson's great power, great strength, the potential, potential danger that he was to their lives. And now that they've captured him and shackled him and blinded him, maybe at one time they were always alert around the guy who killed a thousand of them with the jawbone of a donkey. But now, little by little, day by day, they've become more comfortable. They've gotten relaxed. They've actually allowed a casualness to set in towards their enemy. In fact, they became so desensitized to him that look what the Bible says. They let a little boy lead Samson by the hand. Whew. What a major difference from when they first captured him. Now, now, when they first grabbed him, they're probably like, don't ever let our children anywhere near this man. No, nowhere near him. But now they say, let's make sport of him. Meaning let, meaning, let him be our entertainment. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down right now. When we become desensitized to the power of sin, we allow the thing that used to be our enemy to become our entertainment. I'll say it again. When we become desensitized to the power of sin, we allow the thing that used to be our enemy to become our entertainment. I grew up on the, on the tail end of really the holiness movement in, in Christendom, especially in the Pentecostal church. And, and Reverend Jerry, Sister Nancy can tell you everything was a sin back in the day. I mean, everything. Okay. I, I'm not talking about sin was sin. I'm talking about like caffeine was sin. Hello, somebody. Like, what? Most of us would be going to hell multiple times over. Come on. You know, you know what I'm saying? All right. Everything was a sin at one point in time in, in Christianity. And, and I guess my, my point is just simply this. We have seen things shift from what we used to call our enemy. Now it becomes entertainment. There was a time when we'd always tell people, be careful what you watch. And now, now we will get engrossed with shows about Jeffrey Dahmer that actually are opening up spiritual things in our homes. I've heard people confess in the aftermath of watching this new series on Netflix. Now, I'm encourage you not to watch it, but you're going to do what you want to do anyway. But people are saying after they've watched this thing, they can hear things moving in their home. They can smell the stench of death in their home. Literally, they've opened their lives to the supernatural. But what used to be my enemy because of my entertainment when I'm desensitized to it. Ladies and gentlemen, TV used to be clean. It, it really did. It was enjoyable to watch back in the day. Now I'm just like, good Lord, I, what channel am I watching? Why is every other word the F-bomb? What, what is this? Ba back in the day, the internet was actually used just for inf information. Back in the day. Back in the day, cell phones were just used as phones. Good Lord, now we've got all sorts of things that we're doing on it. I, I guess my, my point is, is just simply this. Little by little, the more that we compromise, the more that we come so, become so desensitized to the power of our enemy, what, what we're not realizing is that Samson, our enemy, is going to bring the whole house down on us. <sighs> Once upon a time, it was wrong to skip church.
He's talking about me, so I'm going to stop listening right now. <laughs> Once upon a time, it was godless to not serve, to not give, to not be available, to not lift my hands and worship. In fact, it was dangerous to avoid. Once upon a time. But this generation has become so desensitized that now what previous generations feared as potential danger for the families, guess what we're doing now? We're allowing our children to take it by the hand. Do our children worship? Do, 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 do our children know what it means to pray and seek God? Do our, do our children understand what it means to give? Dang, pastor, coming for us today. Shoot, I should have stayed home. And the grace of God is here because he realizes your covenant has been cut. You've become desensitized to the power of your enemy. And now that anything goes, don't freak out when anything happens in your family. Don't start, don't start losing your mind and get mad at God when the whole house comes down because you started toying with what you used to say was dangerous. You said it was your enemy, and now it's become your entertainment. So the Philistines bring out Samson. They bring him out to ridicule him. Ladies and gentlemen, I just need you to know this because Jesus taught us this in Matthew 12. He told us that any enemy that is allowed to come back always comes back stronger. So the Philistines bring out Samson to ridicule him and, and make fun of him and, and, and praise their God for their victory over Samson. But here's what they did not know. That dark place began to change him. It was in his blindness that Samson finally began to see again. The Bible tells us that his hair grew again, but you know what else grew with his, his hair? His repentance. Look at verse 28. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just one more time and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my enemy. I just want to tell somebody here today, you are going to grow out of those dark places. Your power is growing out of those dark places. Your joy is growing out of those dark places. I dare somebody to put your hand together and let Satan know I might be in a dark place, but my family is going to grow from this. I might be in a dark place, but my business is going to grow from this. I might be in a dark place, but my praise is going to grow from this dark season. Devil, you should have pulled me up by the roots because something is growing in my life. Verse 29. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars with the, where the temple stood, bracing himself against them with his right hand on one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with my enemy. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people. So in his death, he killed more than he killed with his life. Let me just pause right there and remind you, Samson gave his life to destroy as many of his enemies as possible. But Jesus gave his life to save as many of his enemies as possible. Put your hands together and praise God. The word says in Romans 5 verse 
sin. We were God's enemies, but he reconciled us through the death of his son. Now that we have been reconciled to God, how much more will be saved through his life? Somebody say hallelujah. Between those two pillars, I believe it took enormous faith to believe that God would even consider using him again. Can I just find a witness? Somebody can just throw up your hand and say, thank you, Lord. It's still a mystery to me that you'll use me in spite of my past, but thank you, Lord. It's still a mystery that you would consider someone like me, but can you take a moment and just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I believe it took enormous faith as as he put his hands on those two pillars and as his hair began to grow, his repentance grew. And he said, Lord, remember me. Remember me. One more time. And here's what I see in Samson. His sight was empty, but his faith was full. Amen. Pastor Beto, I'm, I'm almost positive he had no idea what was going to happen. He could have pushed and grunted and just been nothing more than a, 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 a hilarious moment for his enemies. But though he could not see, his faith was full. According to this scripture to you, the very first week of this series, let me bring it back. Hebrews 11.32. How much more do I need to say, the writers of Hebrews says, it would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon. It took me a whole month. Of Barak, of Samson, the faith I don't see anything about the faith of Samson until this last moment. The faith of Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. Check this out. All these people earned a good reputation. Why? Because of the great things they did? Be, 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 because we, we read about them in scripture? No, they earned a good reputation because of their faith. And yet not one of them received all that God had promised since, here's the answer. Why? Since God had planned something better for us. Someone say something better for me. Something better for us. For, uh, so that only together, the old covenant and the new covenant, the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints, those people who walk by faith and those people who are currently walking by faith so that together we would be made perfect. So I believe what Samson did is he, he had raised his head and he cried out to God in repentance and he stretched out his arms wide and the blind man, I believe in that moment, began to see something. I, I don't have any scripture to back this up, but I just know what it means to walk by faith. And in walking by faith, I believe a blind man could see the future. I believe his eyes were open to seeing the author and the finisher of his faith. If you look at what happens right after verse 40, it goes into the next chapter. And it says this in chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. I feel blind. How can I run? I'm uncertain. How can I run. I have no strength. I'm depleted. My enemy 
has gotten the upper hand. How can I run with endurance? Because the very next verse gives me the key to my victory. Let us, ladies and gentlemen, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. I'm looking at men and women today that had to learn something like Samson. The only, the only way I can walk by faith and not by sight is to keep my eyes on the author and finisher of my faith. I can't tell you to walk by faith and not by sight without telling you what to look at. Keep your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith. Now let me go back to verse 20 and I'm done. Tiana, give me verse 20 one more time. Because this hits hard. Judges 16, 20. The Bible tells us that Delilah brings in someone to shave off Samson's covenant. It wasn't his hair that was cut. It was his covenant that was cut off. And now in this moment, she tells him, the enemy is upon you again. And Samson says, I'll get up and I'll do what I've always done. I'll shake myself free. I've done it before, I'll do it again. I will escape just like I did in previous times. But he did not know. He did not know that the power, the presence, the relationship, he did not know that the Lord was gone. Didn't even recognize it. So desensitized. He didn't even recognize he had religion with no relationship. My God, I pray this church never becomes that because I see it all over America. So much religion, no relationship. So many rules, no relationship. So many ways to act and conduct yourself and how long services should be and what programs that we need in place, but no power. A form of godliness, but they denied the power thereof. Lord, may we never become that. Samson didn't realize the presence of God was gone. He gone. Didn't even realize it. But here's what Samson did do. He assumed. Whew. Help me, church of 2022. He assumed that every time he needed power, the Holy Spirit was going to be there. He became so familiar with how the Spirit of God worked that he took the Spirit of God for granted. In fact, we see the only time he uses the Holy Spirit was to capitalize on the dilemmas he caused. All right, the problems he caused. Capitalizing those moments. Lord, I need you now. Help me now. Now, I want to say this because you might feel like I'm ridiculing Samson. What I'm actually trying to do is encourage you. I can sit here right now and I can ridicule Samson's arrogance, his assumption the Spirit of God was going to be there. Or I can learn to replicate his attitude. Literally, Samson assumed every time I need the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God will be there. Hear me. Before Jesus comes, he said this. He said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find anybody in church? Will he find anybody giving in the offering? Will, will, will he find people being religious? No, he says when the Son of Man returns, will he find any 
faith? Will he find any faith? Here's what I believe. Samson assumed for, for good reason that every time I need the Holy Spirit, he will be there. And I believe God is looking for somebody in this generation that will have the same kind of faith that simply says, every time I need him, he will be there. Every time sickness attacks my body, he will be there. Every time something breaks my heart, he will be there. Can I find some people with enough faith that believe, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he will be there. Problems come my way, but he will be there. The enemy comes in like a flood, but he will be there. I don't know the way around this, Mountain Lord, all I know is you will be there with me. Throw up your hands and say, thank you, Lord. Come on, someone throw your hands and say, thank you, Lord. I go through the fire, but I know you will be there. I go through the flood, but I know you will be there. I'm depressed and overwhelmed, but I take heart. You are greater than what I'm going through, and you will be there, and you will bring me through. Stand your feet with me all over this room. God promises us he will be there. And though we want to berate Samson for his assumption, that was the old covenant. We live under the new. And the new covenant promised me this. Jesus said this, because I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. If, if anything else doesn't get your, your praise up today, let it be just simply that. How many times have I left him? How many countless times have I forsaken him? But he promises me he will never leave and never forsake. Can somebody just, just with me just lift our hands to the Lord and say, thank you. Thank you that you never give up on me. Thank you that you never quit on me. Thank you that even when I'm fickle, you remain faithful. Whew, when, I, when I only care about myself, I can only see what's right in front of me, or I can't see it all. You are faithful to still guide me, lead me into all truth. Whew. This is why we need to stay connected to the source. Stay connected to the vine. All right, hear me in your spirit. Hear me, hear me real quick because I'm going to close the service out. Hear me in your spirit. Our enemy is cunning clever our enemy understands that in order to destroy us he can't necessarily come at us what he has to do is he has to take out the pillars that we stand on and the two major pillars the enemy is always going to come after are these they might be on the screen there these two things the enemy always seeks to destroy number one your relationship with God and number two your resistance to the world and to sin. He's always looking to destroy my relationship and my resistance. That's why it gets easy to compromise because I'm no longer resisting. If he can destroy my relationship with God, you know, my source, the source of all life, he can keep fooling me when it comes down to the game of life and I'm making bad decisions and losing over and over again because he's destroyed my relationship with God. But it doesn't stop there. Because some of you, your relationship with God, you love the Lord. I know, I know you love God. But you also have these daily struggles. You don't resist the devil. And that's why he's still hanging out in your home, 
in your decisions in your life the Bible says it like this in James chapter 4 it says submit yourself to God resist the devil and he will flee from you I just came to encourage somebody's spirit today you need strength to resist yes but the strength to resist does not come from your own willpower the strength to resist is found in this verse right here if you will submit to God you will have the strength to resist the enemy and then the enemy will flee are you hearing what I'm saying family if you need strength to resist it is found in your submission to God so Lord we submit today to you the beginning of the service I was talking about a covenant how there are things that have to be cut in order for a covenant to exist in the old covenant God cut it out of the side of a mountain when he gave them the Ten Commandments when it came to keeping the covenant they had to constantly cut animals and let them bleed so the sign of the old covenant was upheld time and time again through something being cut I thank God I don't have to bring a bull or a lamb constantly to the tabernacle to be killed for my sins because there was a once and for all sacrifice that was cut on a cross so that you and I could have an everlasting covenant with God. I speak of Jesus if you're unfamiliar to these terms. So what does that mean for me today? That means when we cut sin from our lives, when we resist, when we cut it from our lives, guess what it does? It loses its strength over you. Whoo! Some of you need to treat your sin like Samson treated his hair. Just get it cut. I told you I was going to give a, a, a haircut today. I just meant a spiritual one. A spiritual buzz cut for the things in your life that you know need to go. And if you will cut them today, God promises you will begin to have strength over the very thing that has kept you down. When I truly got saved, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I truly got a spiritual buzz cut. There was one thing in my life that I was hanging on to, and when, when I fully surrendered to God at 17, I had to cut that thing off. Whew. I'm not saying it didn't hurt. But look at me now. Pastor Beth, I was hurting in the moment, but I'm healed and whole. And all I had to do was cut it from my life, and it lost its strength. Tiana, go back to that verse we started with, John 15, 2. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit. Whoa, whoa what? Wait, what? I understand if it's not producing fruit, why to cut it off, but if it is producing, why prune it? Why, why, why cut it? Oh, so that it can produce even more. I need you to think about it like this. If you're going to stay connected to God, understand that some things are going to get cut off and thrown away. But also, if you're going to stay connected to God, understand that some things are going to be cut back as well. It's just how it goes. This is just how it works in Christendom. So if I'm going to get cut either way, I need to make the choice to allow myself to be cut back so that God doesn't completely cut me off. I've got to make the decision here today. And here's what I know about God.
because he's the, a God of covenant, because he loves to keep his promises to us. Here's what I know about God. He will always establish an invisible covenant with a visible sign. An invisible covenant with a visible sign. How do I know it exists? I'll give you a visible sign. The covenant of the old covenant was circumcision. What's that? Please don't make me explain. Google it later with a, with a filter on, please. Okay. The visible covenant of circumcision was the display of the invisible covenant that the Jewish men had with God. Also in the old covenant, the Nazarite vow, that covenant, it was, it was invisible. So how do I know you have the Nazarite vow? Oh, I can see your long hair. I got it. I see the visible sign of the invisible covenant. But I'm not under the old covenant anymore. What's the visible sign in the new covenant of the invisible covenant God made with me through the blood of Jesus? Well, I'll tell you what it is. We did it last week. We baptized you in water. We now have a visible sign of the covenant, the invisible covenant you have with God. But it doesn't stop there. You know what else we have? It carries through every covenant. It's called tithe and offering. I'm ready for somebody to start throwing stuff at me. I told Pastor Bethel before this service starts, I'm resisting, I'm resisting God right now by taking a second offering. Do you want me to do that? Yes, please, Pastor. Yes, yes. One's enough. You didn't even give me the first one, so what difference does it matter if I take two? I felt the Lord telling me that this generation is missing the invisible promises and the manifestation of those promises because they're not keeping the visible covenants with God. The promise over our money is that God will open the windows of heaven and pour us out such a blessing, we won't have room to contain it. If you are struggling paycheck to paycheck, bill to bill, there's a reason why. It's called a covenant with God. And he prompt, even if, you're, even if you're doing fine, I believe God wants you to do better than fine. I believe he wants you to flourish. And so the visible sign of the covenant is to give. And it will come back to you. Ooh. Tommy, can we just go ahead and just bring the offering boxes up front? Just bring them up front. I'm not, I'm not going to let anybody hide in this. I'm not going to sit here and count your offering. David already asked me before service. Please don't take a, a, a line for $100, a line for $1,000, a line for... I'm not going to do that. That's old school church. I'm not doing that. Because it doesn't matter what line you stand if your heart hasn't changed. And you don't care about the covenant. It doesn't matter. Thank you, sir. There we are. Tiana, give me that screen. There's multiple ways to give. In this generation, when we see, especially in America, so many of the haves and so many more of the have-nots, you have a covenant. And if you want to be one of those who, who have and, and live beyond those who have not, you have to understand that God is a covenant keeper. So when he commands us, not asks us, not suggests to us, when he commands us to give, whoo, I don't like the idea of 10%, Pastor, fine. Jesus gave 100%. Is that what you want to do? Sure, fine, whatever, cool. That's between you and God right here. But I simply need you to know that God can do more, so much more with 10% that belongs to him in the first place than you can do with 100. In fact, God will bless the 90 in such a way you won't even miss the 100%. 
Let me just hear from the people who are in covenant with God right now. Let me just hear from you. Come on, those who keep a covenant with God and have seen his faithfulness to that covenant. Okay? Just in case you think I'm BSing you and just making stuff up. God loves to keep his promises. And Jesus was clear, if there's anything fighting my covenant with God, it's money. It's always going to be money that fights for that place of covenantal relationship in my life. You might say, well, I don't have a lot. Okay, cool. But today God is commanding, not asking, not suggesting, commanding that you step into covenant with him. So that means some things might be pruned in my life. But it also means I'm going to produce so much more moving forward. I was amening when he was talking about Jesus, but now that he's talking about money, I'm just like, yeah. The last thing I see in the new covenant is this. The reason I know you have the Holy Spirit, the invisible promise, it's noon, it's time to pray. That's all that means. It's just time to pray. It's noon. Is this. Jesus told them, commanded them, go to Jerusalem and wait for the power. Go and wait for the power. How do I know that you have this new covenant relationship with God? I know because the invisible covenant is seen through your visible, visible gifts of the Holy Spirit made manifest in your life. When somebody begins to pray in tongues, it is the visible sign of an invisible covenant. When somebody begins to prophesy, it is the visible sign of an invisible covenant. When somebody has the gift of discernment, laying of hands on the sick and see him healed, the gift of faith, the, 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 the word of knowledge, the, the word of wisdom. When I see those things in operation, they are the visible signs of an invisible covenant. My prayer for you today is not just that you will start giving the way God has commanded you to do. My prayer today is that you will get filled with the same spirit that empowered Samson when he needed him but you realize I need the spirit of God 24-7 just to make it through every single day and to have a visible sign of the covenant is what gifts has God given you because I, I have to believe in these last days people are going to see your covenant not because you say you have one but they're visibly going to see the power of God the way we saw it in Samson and saw it in David and saw it in Daniel and saw it in Abraham and saw it in Joseph, the Spirit of God visibly making himself known, visibly letting the world know I've got an invisible covenant with God. So Holy Spirit, I ask right now, you would fill the hearts and minds of everyone in this room. Fill us to overflowing. If there are things that need to be cut in your life, can you just lift your hands today? Things that need to be cut off. I need it to be cut. I need it to be completely severed. Lord, give me a spiritual buzz cut of this. I, I need it to go because it's had strength over my life for too long. Family, I, I, maybe you can't see what I see, but almost every hand in this place is raised. Almost every hand is up. Almost every man and woman is saying, I, I, I need things cut. I need it to be cut because it's had strength over me for too long. It's, it's overwhelmed me for too long. But today is that day. Today is that day where I'm allowing God to cut these areas of my heart, my desires, my will. Cut it off, God. Cut it off. 
Some of you have been hanging on to past pain. Today's the day God cuts it off because it's had strength over your future. And it happened. I, sometimes it was, it was years ago. Sometimes it was just weeks ago. But, but it's had pain. The pain has had power over your future. And God is saying, let me cut it today. It's going to lose its strength as I cut it off today. Some of you in this place, it's, it's been the same struggle and sin for weeks, months, or years. But God is saying, let me cut it today because it's going to lose its strength over your future. Ooh, my God, thank you for your power to liberate, your power to remove. And today, today we are entering into this covenant with you, God. We need your spirit. Not just when there's problems. Not just when I see the enemy. I need your spirit. Can you lift your hands high with me and say, God, I need your spirit. Holy Spirit, come and fill me again. Holy Spirit, activate the gifts in my life again. Holy Spirit, stir up my passion again. I've been struggling. I, 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 I've been bound. I've been discouraged. Holy Spirit, empower me again. Some of you, you're, you're at church daily, but you're blind. You're so blind. You've been blinded by the cares and worries of this life. But I believe the Spirit of God is here right now. And He's allowing you to see with the lens of faith. The lens of faith. Holy Spirit, fill us now. Fill us now. Fill us now with conviction. Fill us now with correction. Come on, somebody, if not for you, then for your children. Come on, pray this for your children. This is, this is why I choose to worship, because I want my children to have that kind of relationship with God. This is why I choose to live holy and separated, because I don't want my children to be bound by struggles and sin. I, I realize the decisions I'm making have an impact on those who come after me, so I'm no longer going to be desensitized to the Spirit of God. I'm no longer going to allow my enemy to be my entertainment. I'm speaking this in the name of Jesus. And in this generation, we would rise up and we would call upon the name of the Lord. God, remember us one more time. Remember your covenant with us one more time. Correct. And now use us for your glory. Whew. I'm thankful that my story doesn't end like Samson's. His ended in death, but ours ends in new life. Come on, somebody. Ours ends in life and life more abundantly. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.